I'd say one perks or advantages of uh, being uh, a special engineer is that you get to be a generalist. So um, you get to work not just like in GIS and the analytics space, uh, but you you sort of have um, knowledge uh, on GIS, uh, obviously as a base, but also on remote sensing, uh, on things like web mapping and GIS programming. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Geospatially Africa podcast, the podcast for the African geospatial community. My name is Opoemi. Our guest today is Laura Mugeha. She is a geospatial engineer based in Africa. She was recently recognized as one of the 50 geospatial rising stars 2021 uh, most of us in the geospatial industry already know her as uh, the regional ambassador for youth mappers in africa and in today's episode she'll be speaking with us on what it takes to be a geospatial engineer and um, some of the tools that she works with and some of the data sets she handles and we'll also talk about our experience with the youth mappers as well as our experience in the geospatial industry in Africa generally. I work with uh, free and open source software and also OSM. So uh, if you would be interested or if you would like to know more about what it takes to be a geospatial engineer in Africa, then stay tuned with us and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, Laura. It's good to have you here with us today. I'm particularly excited to talk about some of your experiences as a geospatial engineer in Africa and uh, how you got to start work in the sector, how you started and where you are currently. Hi, Ophemi. Uh, thank you so much for, for extending an invite uh, to join you today. Uh, my name is Laura Mugeha. I am a geospatial engineer by training and profession. So for my undergraduate studies, I did bachelor's in science in geomatics engineering and geospatial information systems um, in a university here in Kenya. And uh, while I was there, I had a chance to have a couple of academic internships uh, where I practiced in a land surveying firm um, in a non-governmental organization and then even got a chance to work with the telecommunications uh, company uh, just after my undergrad. Uh, but while in uni, I, I developed an interest in um, using data for good, so working in the development sector, um, and ended, ended up working for a social enterprise here in Nairobi called Kenya. So uh, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I say that I am a geospatial engineer, uh, basing on what I did in uni and what I am currently doing and a career that I, I would like to build. And I am interested in data and the development sector. So basically using data for good and currently work for an organization in Kenya called Sanergy. Oh, beautiful. You were listed as one of the 50 geospatial rising stars in 2020. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and I actually got to see some of the amazing things you're doing through that platform. Would you like to discuss that and how it felt being one of those stars? Yeah, so um, the, the Geospatial World 50 Rising Stars Initiative was uh, something that the, an organization called the Geospatial World 
sort of came up with. Uh, and uh, this is actually like their first inaugural list. So uh, it's never been done before. And basically what they are trying to do is to highlight the outstanding accomplishments of uh, young individuals in the geospatial sector. So uh, what happened is that they asked, asked for nominations at a time like this um, last year. Um, so basically sent out a form um, and asked people to nominate anyone who thinks should be on this list. Um, I, th I think in the world, a lot of people are familiar with the forms list, uh, which tends to sort of highlight the work of different people in different industries. Uh, so I think it's, it's, you can just say it's something like that, but now uh, focusing in the geospatial and mapping sector. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> when I was selected, I was shocked. Uh, it was a bit unexpected, um, but I was very excited about it. Um, from the first day, like I, I got the notification about the nomination and even just getting a chance to interact with um, the Geospatial World team and like as they were working on this. But I was even more excited when I saw the uh, final list uh, of let's say the fellow rising stars and all the amazing work they were doing. So I was really happy to be featured um, because uh, it sort of, sort of give some sort of meaning to the work that um, I have been doing. Because uh, from the nomination, uh, a lot of the work that I do in the volunteering space with um, a number of communities um, is what was really highlighted. So I, I, I was very excited to see that there was value in that and that being noticed around the world. But also just getting a chance to read the other stories of the other raising stars was also motivating to see like how I can grow. And cause uh, one thing about the list is that it was very hard to find someone else who's like you. So like just getting a chance to see all these other different profiles and all the very different things that we are doing in the geospatial space was very inspiring and motivating at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and one thing that just came to mind is like, what type of nomination? Like, do you have to know somebody or somebody just nominated you randomly? Because you said something mm -hmm. about the fact that it was, um, it was it was a shock to you. Mm -hmm. So do you know who nominated you? Or <laughs> like, do, does a number of people have to nominate you or something? I'm not sure about their selection process, uh, if they were looking like a minimum number of nominations or anything. But I guess it being anonymous, not anonymous in a way that when you're nominating someone, you do not submit your details. But once you're selected, uh, you are not told that uh, X and Y nominated you. So from my end, I actually did not know the person who nominated you, but it was very open uh, to anyone. So uh, basically, say for example, if you have a colleague or a mentor um, or anyone, even a friend within the geospatial space, then they had the ability to, to, to nominate you. But I, yeah, I, I also wish I knew <laughs> if there is one person or more or the, the, uh, the people who actually nominated me, just to have a chance at least to say thank you um, for that. But also I, I can remember at around the same time um, when these nominations were being done, which was, I think, such a time last year, um, the Women in Geospatial Community um, was running like a, a mini initiative under this, uh, where they basically asked um, 
anyone who would like to be nominated to like fill in uh, a form and then basically uh, someone would then nominate you if they have looked at your work and find it interesting and feel like you um, deserve to be to be listed uh, as part of this. So yeah, unfortunately, I don't know but uh, who nominated me, but I'm very I'm very thankful uh, for them believing in me and even taking the extra step <laughs> to submit my details. Yeah, and that's one awesome thing about the gestational community, the sense of camaraderie, the sense of supporting each other mm -hmm. to achieve um, aims. And that's one thing I really uh, love about this industry. Yeah. So back to your work as a geospatial engineer now. You know, I always I'm always fascinated by geospatial engineers. I'm aiming to be one myself eventually when I finally am able to grab hold of what programming really is about. So your job as a geospatial engineer, what's involved in that? What do you get to do? What types of platforms do you get to work with? Could you just give us a bit of an insight into that yeah um so i'd say one perks or advantages of uh, being uh, a special engineer is that you get to be a generalist so um you get to work not just like in gis and the analytics space uh, but you you sort of have um knowledge uh, on GIS, uh, obviously as a base, but also on remote sensing, uh, on things like web mapping and GIS programming. So like basically you get to sort of work on very different sectors within the geospatial space. So that means you can put on very many hats uh, on different occasions. Uh, but at the moment uh, for me, as I mentioned earlier, I work with an organization called Sanergy. Uh, which is in the sanitation sector um, and basically I support teams within the organization to use data for to, su uh, to support the decision making and all of that so some of the data sets that I get to work with <laughs> are mainly within the urban planning space and uh, but I, our, our organization also tends to work a bit on the agricultural side uh, because of some of the products that the organization produces. So that also means that from, an, uh, from time to time, I get to interact with a number of um, data sets in the agricultural space. And uh, if this may also be too general in a way, but if you like get down into it, then it really is um, like a wide range of options that are available. For example, um, uh, I talk about like a project that I worked on this year and uh, we were basically looking at a number of soil properties. I got a chance to work with a data set by an organization called ISTA and basically that so they developed continental data sets for, for the African region for soil properties. And this data was available um, as a cloud service, uh, meaning, meaning um, I could only access it or one of the options that I could access it was through uh, Jupyter Notebooks, uh, which was interesting. It's something that I had just a chance to learn about, but I'd never actually used um, like uh, notebooks to access a data set and actually have uh, my analysis done uh, on the cloud on the fly. So that was interesting. But other than that, I also get a chance at work to develop a number of like dashboards for analytics and reporting purposes. So generally, uh, I get a chance to like get down into it with like web mapping, literally develop sort of uh, platforms on the web. Uh, 
But I'd say on a day-to-day basis, I get a chance just to work with GIS data and like use uh, platforms or software softwares like QGIS and GrassGIS. I think those are the ones that I use mostly um, or I'd say consistently. But looking at it a long period of time, I get a chance to work with very many things. I get a chance to learn new platforms every day, uh, just depending on what I'm trying to get at the end of it. If it's a map I'm trying to create, uh, if it's something that needs to be accessed online, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's that's a quick summary on some of the tools that I get to work with. Oh, that that sounds fun. And being a QGIS fan myself, I can sort of parallel some of the things I do also with that. So I guess I'm well on my way to being a special engineer then. Yeah, <laughs> probably already there. <laughs> yeah, and okay, so. You also um, advocate for open data and, you know, with the different data sets that uh -huh. you work with. Uh, I know you were part of Youth Mappers a yeah. while back. Uh, could you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to, to open data, it's it's something that I'm really <laughs> passionate about. I think when I think about even this year, the number of webinars, um, and events that I've been able to participate in, uh, I've, I've mostly talked about open data. Uh, and generally, it's, it's just something that I got interested uh, in uh, because of a challenge that I faced. So um, when, again, when I was uh, doing my undergraduate and we were working, I was working on my fin final year project. Um, it was a project in the transport sector um, where I developed like a transport a maintenance management system that was web-based. Um, and I needed a number of data sets um, to use for this project. And uh, accessing the data was really, really difficult. Like I had to go in person to a number of offices uh, within the country to look for data. Um, and basically, um, at, in, in a number of cases, I went to, to some of these offices and was not successful. So uh, that just sparked an interest in like what's actually publicly available and what's uh, what's open, what's open data, and how can we grow like an open data ecosystem, not just in the country, but globally. And, um, and even looking back um, in the country, there are a number of cases or where um, the government used to make decisions and um, basically the decisions are not guided in any way. And the reason that you would get was that the, they lacked the data for use. So um, basically it was just seeing a gap that exists and trying to see as an individual and even um, as a community, how can we make data more accessible and available? And um, from that, um, I really got interested in OpenStreetMap, um, which which is a platform that allows for the creation uh, of open geospatial data. And anyone can add to the map. Anyone can create an account on OpenStreetMap. You don't have to be a geospatial expert or have a, a GS background to be able to contribute. And at that time, uh, there are a number of organizations that were are working within the uh, OpenStreetMap space in Kenya and in the region and also globally. Uh, so we got a chance to like create um, 
an OSM community here in Kenya. So basically just a community where we can advocate for the creation of this data. And we can also like bring uh, all those who are interested together, um, who are interested in like open mapping together, uh, because obviously anyone can contribute to the map, but as a community together, we are able to do much more. And we are also able to sort of um, do it in a way that's, um, I'd say, sustainable so we are not just contributing to the map but it's actually good quality data and you're not also just contributing but you are also able to show and share how this data could be used um so yeah when it comes to open data it's just something that i'm really interested in just because i can see the gap that exists um in as much as we have made a lot of progress in making data available in collecting data um even the the methods in which you can collect data uh, they've become very innovative, but there's still a lot of places that have not been mapped. There's still a huge need for data. And as part of the open data space, as I shared, like this is something that I started getting interested in while I was in university. So um, I learned about uh, a network called Youth Mappers, uh, which is basically a network of student-led clubs. And these clubs are for students who are interested in open mapping, sustainable development and youth leadership. So, and at that time, I was also basically generally looking for opportunities for students, because uh, you see, as a student, uh, yes, you get a, you, you are sort of um, learning and schooling from say eight to five, but uh, you, there's always that time that you can use it for something, something that's more impactful. So we we, we already had a students club in the university at that point uh, where um, we could meet and like basically teach each other. Uh, so we had like people sharing about different softwares. Uh, we also had speakers from time to time. So we just affiliated the club to the network so that uh, as part of our activities, then we get a chance to work on uh, open mapping initiatives such as contributing to OpenStreetMap. Yeah, so that's how I really also like got a chance to really grow my skills uh, on open mapping and open street map. And just being part of the Youth Mappers Network also like grew that opportunity to join the uh, regional OSM Africa community and even the global OSM community. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you mentioned the fact that, you know, being a youth mapper helps you to project into the OSM community mm -hmm. and I'm, I know you're also involved in Force4G activities. What, what do you do with Force4G? Because you know Force4G is something that's really recurring in this podcast. So what are the activities that you do with Force4G and um, how did you get involved? Yeah, uh, so uh, luckily when it comes to, to uh, Force4G, like generally um, free and open source software in the geospatial space, uh, luckily, it's a concept that I got to learn also in, in school, uh, but also it was very important to, uh, because mostly I think for a lot of university students, you get a chance to work with ArcGIS and uh, the ArcGIS suit in general, uh, which is amazing. Um, but uh, again, there's still that gap that exists in terms of who, who can procure uh, this software. Um, it gets also for... Almost all the organizations that I got, got a chance to work with, none was able to procure this software. So meaning there's also like a huge need to advocate and tell people that um, not having uh, 
a license for proprietary options does not mean that you cannot use GIS. There are also uh, free and open source options that you can actually use for your work, uh, even for your research as a student. And it being free and open does not mean that it's any less. At first, I guess for me, it was just knowing uh, of the options that are available and also understanding that even when joining the industry, um, I might actually end up using a lot more of uh, free and open source um, options. Uh, but also uh, it now got to a point where it was more about educating and uh, letting others learn about all these options and what's available and what they can do with it. Initially, I was not part of the Fosfuji community. I actually didn't know there was a community. I only knew, knew about OSGEO. Um, as, as like a, as a foundation that houses all these things, like it houses the key GIS, just GIS, uh, GDAL and everything. But I actually didn't feel like there's a very huge community behind it that like drives for the contribution, drives for the advocacy. So um, how I got to learn about the community was in 2018. I think those are, the Global Phosphogy Conference was in Tanzania, which I guess is <laughs> very close to Kenya. So it only made sense to try and attend that. And um, that's why I got a chance to meet like the global Fosfoji community, very uh, amazing people who uh, are like very interested in like helping people out um, in a way or the other. So uh, from that, I got a chance to like interact with a number of people like developers for different for some of the different softwares and also uh, a number of the working groups that exist. Um, and then what happened is that um, I got nominated again, <laughs> but at least at this point I knew, I knew who nominated me uh, to become a charter member uh, of, of the uh, OSGO Foundation. Um, basically charter members uh, participate in working groups and also are able to contribute when it comes to voting in um, like the board for the foundation and such things. Uh, and through that, I also got a chance to join the OSGO marketing working group, which is basically the working group that's in charge of all the social media channels and also things like the website. So basically like a number of the digital platforms that represent the foundation. Um, and in that, I just get a chance to contribute in that way. I, I'm very, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm also like very interested in <laughs> when it comes to communications and digital platforms and social media. So it's something that I do enjoy doing. Um, and I, I guess that's mostly my involvement with that. After the conference, we also tried to create an OSGEO Africa community. Uh, it is there, it exists, but just not as much activities at the moment. Um, yeah, but I guess it's also something that's uh, really in the works. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's my first time also hearing about the OSGO Africa community. And um, I'm sure it's something, since it's a regional community, it's something that um, I think every geospatial analyst or geospatial person in Africa should be involved in as well at least if they are focused or if they are also interested yeah. in free and open source software for for geospatial it's amazing what you're doing with uh, because you've been so like so many platforms representing force 4g i think you should even be like an ambassador for force 4g in africa 
<laughs> if you don't mind me saying <laughs> yeah a, a chance to advocate for <laughs> for phosphogy and its use it's something it's something that i wouldn't mind um and i guess it's something that also uh, all of us get just get a chance to share and it's on like a, a voluntary basis so we're actually all ambassadors in one way or another <laughs> of course yes of course Apart from everything, phosphogy and OSM, um, are there other aspects of uh, geospatial that you would like to explore? Like other parts that you think or that you're just curious about that you might like to explore later? Yeah. Um, so at, at the moment, when it comes to um, like geospatial and the web, it's something that I, I feel like I do, I do at a very basic level. So uh, I'm really interested and looking forward to build uh, my muscle in that space. So um, how do we get a lot more sort of solutions and maps on the web and how do we interact with that? Um, I think there are already a number of very many um, platforms that exist that allow us to, to do all this. But yeah, on my end, I'd just like to really build on that and see what more could be done in that space. I'm really interested in, in the intersection of web solutions and uh, how we can make them offline and having all these solutions being map-based or GIS-based. And obviously not just making them GIS-based, but actually uh, if it's needed and necessary. So uh, that's something that I am interested in. Uh, the other thing would be on storytelling. Um, it's also just something that I'm really interested in uh, and I'm always excited about to see the stories that we can tell through maps. Basically, it's also just trying to see how I can improve on that and how I can use that as well to even show a lot of concepts that are difficult to explain. And lastly, um, I recently... Uh, would I say really recently, <laughs> but uh, I'd say for, for the last maybe few years, I, I've gotten a chance to uh, work on the, like, in the intersection of data and gender. So um, basically what you can call data feminism. So also just looking at how maps intersect with that and how we can actually use maps and tech in general uh, to advocate for gender equality and not just even gender equality but equality in general and different aspects um it's something that i've just explored and i've been, been able to carry out like maybe a project or two on the same uh but hopefully it's also something that i can build on um and improve on and sort of use in future yeah and that goes it just goes to show how truly dynamic and um, universal special technologies have because you've mentioned a number of industries here and that's one thing that we always try to um, analyze and explore on this podcast the fact that geospatial technologies are truly universal can be applied to any and everything and thank you for ex expertly putting that together <laughs> so so um, moving on to the tail end of the interview now, a lot of people believe that as an early career professional, one needs a mentor. I am one of such people and mentorship is really important to me. What are your thoughts on mentoring and mentorship in general? Yeah, um, 
personally i've not i've not had a chance to <laughs> to be in sort of a structured mentorship interaction with someone um but i do acknowledge and accept uh, just as you've shared that mentorship is really really important and not just for early career professionals but also for any professional in the industry um it's, it's just because the times uh when even when you finish school or if you're switching careers uh, and joining a new industry, I think it is possible for you to survive as an individual and like get a, getting a chance like to work hard and push through things yourself. But it can be a lot easier when you have someone who can um, basically guide you in one way or another. Because um, at times also, I think a lot of potent to assume that mentorship is just um like someone showing you the robes um about an industry and like probably mentioning you in in rooms where your name needs to be mentioned but i think that different types of mentorship it can be technical uh it can be non-technical where you're guided just about uh career progression the options and all that so uh depending on what someone really needs at the moment then um Mentorship can be really key in making things a little bit easier uh, for someone and like getting that guide guidance that can help you to even make decisions as you progress. Um, so uh, f- for me, I, I, I do always encourage people um, to if, if you if you see someone um, in the industry who uh, who's able to guide you in one way or another, um, then um, it is important that uh, you you reach out if possible uh, and <laughs> request for that, uh, and also taking advantage of like uh, the mentorship programs that exist. Uh, the good thing is that I guess in the last two years there's been a number of communities that uh, have come up with mentorship programs. I think a lot of us know about the Women in Special Plus. Um, mentorship program which pairs um, mentors to mentees. Uh, there's also the African Women in GIS one. Uh, I think there's also a new one by GeoLatinos as well. So that also like um, brings that opportunity for you to get a mentor, I'd say, easily <laughs> as opposed to like uh, sort of uh, reaching out to people on social media uh, or maybe other platforms, the social social platforms that exist asking for this kind of mentorship. I guess uh, for a lot of early career professionals, it can be scary to do that. So uh, taking advantages of these programs um, um, is really uh, important and something that I really recommend. Uh, but other than that, I guess also thinking just about mentorship, uh, as, a, as an early career professional as well, I've also gotten a chance to like uh, interact with students and um, a number of people seeking mentorship. But I I guess something that uh, I've just noticed is like being able to know what you want out of it. Um, Not saying that like like everything has to be stated out, but at least being able to know um, at the end of this mentorship um, sort of interaction, like what do you want, what do I want out of it? Um, and even as I was sharing earlier, like knowing like the kind of sort of support that you need, uh, if it's technical, then uh, my mentor also needs uh, to be probably uh, sort of well-versed in what I'm seeking. So if I'm uh, interested in getting in G- into JS programming, like is this person 
uh, a developer or uh, have they had a chance to work in this space? So uh, at times also just making sort of making sure that you know what you get, what you need to get out of it um, is also key. And then uh, the last thing would also be as a person working in the GIS as you get a chance to, I guess, interact with a number of other tech communities. Uh, so maybe at times you find out that you've missed maybe on some of the programs and most of these programs run once a year. You can also just look into the tech sector. So uh, there are also a number of other communities. So for example, like women in analytics um, and all this, uh, other very many tech communities that exist. So you don't, your mentor does not also necessarily have to be from the GIS community. It can, that can uh, Your mentor can come from uh, uh, the general tech community and you can also now leverage all these other programs that exist as well in the general tech community. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And, and one thing that I really took out of that is the fact that, you know, mentors, mentors look to something in the mentee and it's important that mentors and mentees mm -hmm. align on the fact on a particular goal and they set it outright uh, and and it's uh, it's safe to say that it's easier today to be an early career or uh, early career person in your special industry because like you said there are so many mentorship mm -hmm. opportunities out there and they're all free and very accessible. Uh, yes, so that's a very good point to note. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to start a career in special now, like currently, apart from mentorship at all? What advice do you think mm -hmm. you would give to such a person? Yeah, um, uh, from my end, I usually say having, having an open mind and um trusting in in your ability like to be able to sort of explore all the opportunities that are are, are available um i think at times when a lot of people are joining the geospatial industry either as uh, people who are graduating from uni or those who are transitioning uh, we tend, when, when you're looking probably, say, for example, for job opportunities, we tend to look for traditional roles. So um, say, for example, um, being having an undergrad in geospatial engineering, wanting to be a geospatial engineer and like wanting a title that says geospatial engineer or uh, being interested in GIS and wanting to be a GIS officer, a GIS analyst. A GIS, uh, what's the other option? Specialist. All these are good, but uh, when you tend to sort of look at only this, you tend to lock all the other opportunities that exist. So uh, yeah, for me, all this, uh, I would say have a, have an open mind, have an idea of um, what you're interested in. So say, for example, uh, in my case, I'm interested in data and development. So um, I would look at um, the development sector as a whole, which intersect, intersects very many sectors, like from, for example, where I work in sanitation, agriculture, and going, um, can look, can end up being in the humanitarian space uh, and all these other things. Uh, and within that, there's so many um, options that are available. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my advice is to have an open mind. Don't, do not look, 
in do not lock yourself by by only focusing on traditional roles and, and traditional sectors um and um you can be a specialist meaning uh, you can focus on one aspect in the gis space yeah yeah you can say that gis analysis is just a thing and like build that muscle and really be good at it uh you can say remote sensing is really a thing and like focus on that and uh like be a specialist in that area but you can also be a generalist so uh you can be good in GIS analytics, be good in remote sensing, be good in GIS programming and web mapping. Um, so you can, basically you can be, <laughs> you can be anything. Um, that would be, be my advice, just because it's something uh, that I get to see. And um, maybe now move, shift, shift the focus from uh, focusing on roles and like the technical aspect of it and looking at sectors and how you can actually um, uh, sort of work as a GS person in a, in, in a specific sector or even in several sectors around the world. Uh, because um, there's really a lot that we can do with GIS and there's really a lot of impact uh, that GIS can sort of build and uh, a lot of uh, solutions that can be provided through GIS. So um, yeah, there's a lot that we can do and that can only be done if we have people extending their wings and getting uh, into it. Yeah, that's what I would <laughs> advise anyone looking to start. Awesome advice, Laura. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you've had as amazing a time as I have bringing this to you. If you did, remember to subscribe on any platform you get your podcast from so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, requests, or suggestions, shoot us an email at gspatially at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at geospatially. We are also on LinkedIn as Geospatially Africa Podcast. We'll look forward to hearing from you. And thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Bye. And now on the news. Right, so we're going to talk about the events that uh, happened. Uh, what what we do is happening this, this weekend that the special uh, industry and the future events that we are having. And some interesting things that are actually also going on. Last month, October, was really uh, interesting as well. We had the uh, World Space Week, uh, celebrating space, and I think it was really interesting. Why it's really important for us as well in the just special space is because some of the data we use for our analysis are gotten from space, right? We're talking about the uh, remotely sensed data set that we use. Also, importantly, is the satellite constellation that are being uh, beaming down data to our devices, uh, you know, GPS, GNSS, uh, basically the, the different satellite constellations. I think this is really interesting. I'm sure uh, a lot of folks in the, the special uh, space celebrated this alongside all this, and I think it's really interesting. Another thing what you've mentioned is that November is the mapping month. Yeah, so we have the 30 days mapping challenge. Uh, this uh, it's really interesting because it, it allows us to you know kind of dive into 
the world of cartography, you know, making maps for the 30 days um, that makes up uh, November. So what happens is that every day has a different theme. So the one was about, you know, points, the two was lines, the three was polygons. So basically just trying to um, map these different phenomena or using these different themes. And I think it's really interesting. You're seeing a lot of of creative work on, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I think it's really, really interesting to um, see see these maps. They're, they're really inspiring and you can see people being creative about map making. I think I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and you know, we're seeing a lot of pictures. We'll be tweeting them. They'll, you can head over to Twitter to check them out for yourself. So the hashtag is used for this uh, challenge is 30 day map challenge. And you can also see the pictures of the official category of flying around on Twitter as well. So um, if you're taking part in that, well done, uh, give a shout out. We would like to see what you've done and we would uh, definitely share that to um, our listeners as well. This week was the GIS week. Our GIS day is actually on the 17th. There was a lot of events happening um, across the week. So I'm, I'm absolutely sure that you had a very mappy week. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the saying, a very mappy week. I'm sure you, you attended a lot of events. We, uh, on our part, attended some events. It was really interesting to um, see how people are using just special technology in different areas, uh, be it for, for disaster, be it for development, or city development, or be it for different things that people are using it for. So this talk's really interesting because you could see and, and learn um about how people are using the technology and you know using the skills to to make uh, interesting not just maps but you know interesting solutions and I think it was that was really um interesting. Also this week was the Post GIS Day. Um, for those of us who are using Post GIS extension for a special database, I think that was really good. Um, a lot of people probably don't know that there's a Post GIS Day. Um, that is always on the nineteenth. Um, of November, so that was interesting. I I was personally able to attend the Zoom conference, so it was held virtually this year, and I was able to catch a few talks. And I think it was really interesting to see how people are using this extension to um, store data and display um, different geographic data. So up next is Settled Map Africa. So we've been talking about this for a while now. Uh, the previous episode, we actually had an episode. We were free talking about, you know, what to expect and, you know, what to look out for. The event is finally here and a lot of people attending and it's really great. I attended the first day and it was really amazing. So you should be looking out for an episode with some of the speakers. We're going to have them to talk about some of the work they're doing, some of the things they presented in the Settled Map Africa. So if you missed that, stay tuned for uh, you know a conversation with uh, a couple of them uh, i believe it's going to be um, interesting as well so uh, we're going to add the link to um the previous episode on set of map africa so if you missed that you can check it out but still look forward to the new ones that are coming so another conference that's happening in november is the hot summit this is another really interesting one you know hot plays a very important role in the open mapping community and they're doing great work so we also talked about this conference previously uh, that it was going to happen when uh, there was call for papers and call for uh, talks and presentations. So the hot summit is happening on the twenty second of November. It is also going to be a virtual summit. You know, with this uh, 
because of the period we are, so everything is going virtual now. But the theme for this year's summit is the evolution of local humanitarian open mapping ecosystems, understanding community, collaboration and contribution. I think that's going to be interesting to get to hear about um, how the mapping community has, has evolved, you know, because it's important for communities to, to thrive and to collaborate more. So I think this is going to, to be interesting to, to learn about how to, you know, build our own local communities and how people have also built theirs around um, to special or around open mapping. I think that's going to be an interesting one. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the date is November 22nd, 2021. Okay, so now we're going to talk about opportunities in the geospatial um, world. So the African Data and Drone Academy has opened up application to the different category of training they have for uh, this year. So if you're interested in that and you would want you to learn something interesting, you might want to apply to these different categories of, of training that they have. We talked about these in an episode where we had Sharon Moja on she she uh benefited from this training and I think if you're interested in it you can uh, be a part of that we're, we're going to add the link about this on on show notes so the different categories that you might be interested in so they have uh, I think up to like uh, five different categories so for example they have the remotely piloted aircraft technology which if you're interested in drone you might want to um apply to that they also have the data visualization and cartography so this will teach you how to visualize data and uh, how to do some mapping so um there are also uh, three that i have mentioned so if you go to the website you uh, could pick the one that you're interested in you be a part of that all right so that wraps it up um stay tuned for uh, next episode's news thank you for staying to the end and uh, being a part of this week's episode do remember to subscribe follow us on twitter on linkedin and we are always happy to hear from you thank you for your support and have a very mapping month